right, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys see this laptop start to fall, I'm just going to go based on your guys' responses. <laughs> it's tilting. Okay, so um, Justin asked me, so this thing, Justin and I have been working together for a long time. Uh, we worked together at the Bible School uh, up north in Mount Lake Terrace for a number of years. Um, we've kind of, within a year of each other, both planted in the city, and then Andy shortly after that. So the three of us are kind of like buddies here doing this uh, church planning thing, much like you know you guys feel in your environments, I'm guessing, very connected just by necessity, right? Uh, but we've been talking about doing stuff like this for a while, and the primary reason is, is because uh, we feel that Calvary hasn't offered a lot of resources for urban approach, and we want to sort of, I mean, we connected with Albert years ago, and we just want to bring some of these things together so we could share this information, like Justin said. So Justin asked me to intro the city of Seattle, and so I've been thinking about that since he asked me, and, um, you know, all of us have a list of facts, right? And like one of the things that you could think of with Seattle is that weed is legal here, right? There's 50 shops to choose from within the city if you're curious. You know, this is just one of the facts of being in the city of Seattle. Another fact is that it's very liberal, right? So uh, if you Google most liberal cities in the US, we're in the top five, if not the top one on a regular basis, right? This is, again, just kind of a fact of where it is. Yes, it's true, Seattle is one of the wettest places in the contiguous 48 states, right? Uh, it doesn't come close to Alaska or Hawaii, but it doesn't matter. We're, that's our reputation, right? Um, yes, there's a lot of coffee shops. To be exact, there's 1,692 coffee shops in the city of Seattle. There's 253 coffee shops per 100,000 people and uh, nine coffee and tea makers, and don't forget, we have also 78 breweries uh, here in the city, right? Um, just kind of continuing on, these things come to mind when I think of Seattle. Seattle is what they call a boom or bust city, which means that it's had a lot of highs and a lot of lows, specifically five uh, they kind of put on the map. Uh, you can look from the beginning, Seattle came out of a boom uh, and then goes through a bust. We're currently in a boom, <laughs> right? So that's kind of the next thing. Seattle is growing. Uh, there's currently about 700,000 people in the city of Seattle, um, but it's growing every day. It's currently the fastest growing big U.S. city. Uh, last year, 25,000 people moved here. That's roughly 67 people per day. So it's, it's changing quite a bit. Um, but as a result of that, there's issues, right? 4,500 people sleep on the streets every night. Uh, the drug, drug epidemic is pretty intense here. Uh, they say that since 2014, there's been roughly 2,677 overdoses, right? So uh, these are just some of the facts that sort of come to mind when I think about Seattle and when I think about well, how would I introduce it, right? But there's more than that, obviously. Um, for example, uh, Christianity or the church in Seattle, there are 44% um, of adults describe themselves as what's defined as de-churched, which means that they used to attend church, um, but they have not attended at all in the past six months, right? This is unique to the, the ethos of our city because Seattle has the second highest number of religious institutions per capita in the nation. So we're talking about a past, but not a present, right? 
Um, the Pacific Northwest, uh, you might know from people who've made this popular, is home to the largest, you know, none uh, as far as their religious affiliation goes, right? However, again, um, people are measuring this and saying, like, within the last, uh, the studies that I was looking at within the last 10 years, uh, the city of Seattle has planted at least, um, if not slightly over, 100 new churches in the past 10 years. I mean, so... It's a very spiritual city, right? So that's like a list of facts. And I'm sure, you know, when I was going through these things, I was thinking, you know, these guys probably all have a list of facts about their cities, right, wherever they're at. And we could list these things, and they're interesting, and they're compelling, and you can build a case from these things. But the question is, is does it introduce you to what I see? Right? Does it introduce you to what we see as pastors? So uh, one of the things that I wanted to look at, and jump back, would you, uh, to, um, did I have anything on Jonah? Yeah, oh, there we go. So one of the thoughts is to approach, you know, uh, what the Bible says about cities, right? And we who have planted in the city have probably at some point come into contact with the city of Nineveh in Jonah, right? And God's heart for the city of Nineveh, right? And you can go through the different times that the writer uses the phrase the great city to describe this, you know? In the beginning of the book, he tells uh, Jonah to go, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me, right? I mean, it'd be really easy for all of us to get up here and talk about the problems in our city, wouldn't it? Right? But does that really capture what we see in the city, right? So, you know, I was thinking about that, but there could be other things, like in Jonah 3.2, where uh, God again sort of renews the call. And he says, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation, which I'm going to tell you. So we have this sort of like, I'm bringing something that they don't have, this, this, this gospel message, right? And again, of course, that's a part of what we see, but is it the whole picture, right? Also, in the next verse, it talks about how Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh, this is the narrator's description, was an exceedingly great city, right? And so different people look at this and they say, wow, this sort of emphasis on its greatness is unique. And perhaps what the writer is saying here is that it's important, Right? And so you're, you're coming to a conclusion about the city that who is the narrator here other than God, right? And God is sort of seeing the city as important. And I would say that's probably part of how we feel, right, about our cities. Like the city is important. But again, does it capture everything that we see? The last reference uh, to the great city in, in Jonah is from chapter 4, verse 11, where God says there, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left, as well as many animals. Right? So we have this understanding that not only is this city important to God, but God is actually invested in the city. Right? As I was thinking about like introing Seattle, I thought, you know, how do you intro and how do you capture why and what we see in our cities? How do you intro these things in a, in a good way? And I think Jonah does a better job than just a list of facts, right? 
Those things are interesting, and they definitely probably color some of the decisions that you make. They might direct prayer and those types of things, but they don't capture why and what we see in the city. And so I came up with um, a number of things that I see in the city, and you know, we're gonna go around, we're gonna just share and introduce ourselves, and I thought that this would be a good framework sort of talk about our cities, right? Because the truth is, is we could get up and we could say like we're introducing ourselves on, you know, some sort of dating website and say like, this is our city, this is what we like, this is what we dislike, and then you could size us up and then we could all, you know, go around doing that, but it just didn't capture it. And the first thing that I saw is I see the city of Seattle through the calling of God. I don't know about you guys, but like, the struggle for me has been around where I'm called. And when I'm here, like a calling, sometimes people think, you know, when, they, when I talk to people, sometimes people think a calling is just so straightforward and so clear, right? But we know that those of us who have been called by God, we wrestle with that, just like God wrestles in our cities with us, right? But this is very much something that God is has led me to. So when I walk down the street, like I was just took a walk and was listening to something and I'm walking up and down, like I don't see the city like, oh, that's a cool shop. Oh, that's a, that's a serious sin. Oh, I mean, I don't just see facts. I see it through the calling of God, right? And that kind of bleeds into the second one where I, where I say that I see Seattle through the heart of God, right? Like, Sometimes uh, there are people close to me in my life who say things like, why do, you, why do you live where you live? And guys, I live in one of the most you know, posh areas of Seattle, so it's not even dangerous at all. But it's like just the noise and the crampness and you know, like you're just, you've decided to live there. And, and, and people ask me, like, why do you do this? Why don't you, you know, have other things? And it's like, I just, I see it different. My perspective has been changed like I just want to be around people in the city that's I see it through the heart of God and also I see human brokenness in Seattle right when I walk up and down 45th which is the main drag in the neighborhood that I'm at um, which is about about 15 minute drive just over here but it's only five miles away when I walk up and down there, which is every day because I don't have a car, is I just think about people that I want to share Jesus with. You know, I just think about, you know, the kids and the um, parents of those kids who are struggling or who are in my neighborhood who are very wealthy and affluent and think that they have no need of God. They've built, you know, very nice houses and those houses are their sacred spaces and they use those sacred spaces as walls between other sacred spaces including the church right and you know you don't want to be the weird cult in town that knocks on doors and hands out propaganda but it's just one of those things where you're constantly seeing like how can I share the love of Jesus you know and I bet you know in my little neighborhood like those are barriers that people put up for me but I bet you you guys have your own barriers that people put up for you in your cities. Like in my neighborhood, it's houses. People invest all of their time and effort in their houses, right? And I see that as a, as a way of calling out to God, though they don't know it. But I don't just see human brokenness, I see human creativity and beauty, 
right? Like Seattle has uh, got some of the best food around. Justin and I, and uh, when we go out to eat, it's never for lack of choice uh, around here. I mean, we go out all the time to different stuff, and it's just beautiful. Like, these people have invested creatively into their food. And, of course, we all know, you know, from being around uh, the West Coast, technologically, it's very advanced. And it's, there's beautiful, amazing things that are happening. A lot of ingenuity. It's something that is curious to me. Um, you know, I don't have any data here to back this up, but just the amount of... Um, businesses and Fortune 500s and creative ideas that have happened in the Northwest is really remarkable, you know? Just going down the list off the top of my head, right, is Nordstrom, Costco, Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing. I mean, you can just go down the line. These are heavy hitters in the world economy, and they all birthed here in the rainy days of Seattle, right? There's something beautiful about the ingenuity here that happens, and I can't put my finger on it, right? It could be that we were founded by real estate moguls and business, you know, uh, capitalist business entrepreneurs. It could be that it's kind of in our ethos from our foundation. I, I have some thoughts on that, but I really don't know. I really think, though, that it's beautiful that God sort of creates these things in people. But I think the most important thing is by way of introduction is to convey the sense of hope right I think that you know when we talk about urban ministry we there is a lot of struggle and there is a lot of um, you're come you come face to face with a lot of brokenness right and that's often on the forefront of our minds. It's often on the forefront of our conversations when we talk about our ministries, right? But none of us would be sitting here if we didn't have hope for our, for our neighborhoods and our cities, right? Like we're not here because we're hopeless. We're here because we want more hope, because we're hopeful, right? And I thought it was just so important to begin our conference and, and our, I guess, network of sharing resources, sharing ideas, sharing insights with one another with that sense of hope, right? You guys, I'm sure all could take 15, 20 minutes and do this exact same thing that I'm doing, right? You just pull this stuff out of the belly of your heart and soul because you've lived it, right? And that's, to me, the nature of an urban church planner. They, they see things differently because they've been called by God. They've been changed by his heart. They see the brokenness, yes, but they also see the beauty. And overall, they have hope that God is going to work, right? So that's my introduction to our city. And I thought that would be an important segue to kind of just go around and share about your cities, you know, where are you from? What's going on? And if you want to use um, some of this language here, these five points, I think that that would be helpful for all of us uh, so that we could kind of get a, get a sense of what God is doing, right? How God is stirring you, the leader, the pastor, and where things are broken and where things are barriers to the gospel and where things are beautiful and where things can be celebrated and pointed to as, as, as beautiful from God, too. So that's the end of my section, Justin. I don't know if you want to segue at all.